0: Jesus, take those words and help them to find their way into our hearts in such a way that we become different people, whole people, um, people you can use in the great story that you are telling. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hello. Good to see you in person or online, however you are joining us in worship today. So glad that you are here. We're in the middle of that I Am series, looking at the I Am statements of God, through the Father, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, things like that. And I want to start this morning by telling you two stories, two stories. The first story is about a man named Ted. Ted needed a car, and Ted was looking for a car, and Ted was researching what was the best car to buy, and Ted was especially interested in safety and in comfort, So if safety and comfort are your two main things, of course, you go and you get a Volvo. That's not to make fun of anybody who has a Volvo. That's just to say they're known for their safety and their comfort. So he he got a Volvo, but he kind of would get bored with it. So every year, he would trade in his one-year-old Volvo for a brand-new Volvo, and he did this every single year until he died the end. It's a great story. Here's another story about a woman named Annie. Annie needed a car, but she was after meaning and purpose. She couldn't afford to take a car, so she took the bus. It turns out a lot of other people take the bus too, and she, uh, she got to know these other people through her morning commute, and they came to love Annie, and she would regularly kind of take care of them and, and kind of uh, look out for them. And one day, though, the bus, this is crazy, one day the bus became the target of a terrorist attack. See, an evil man planted a bomb on her bus that started ticking when the bus accelerated beyond 35 miles an hour, and if it ever dropped below 50 miles an hour, the bus would explode. Don't laugh. This is a crazy story. (laughs) So Annie found herself on this bus, and then something happened to the bus driver because it's L.A., and in L.A., bus drivers get shot all the time, so the bus driver got shot. So this woman, Annie, has to take the wheel of the bus, keeping it above 50 miles an hour while zooming through L.A. traffic and hopping over overpasses that are not yet built. <laughs> but her perseverance pays off, and she saves the life of almost every passenger on the bus and in the end finds love with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> mm. mmm, mm That was a good one. Here's the point of these two entirely ridiculous stories. In the first story, the man is after comfort and safety, Ted. In the second story, Annie is after something bigger, adventure and purpose. Now, I know what you're thinking. Aha! I get it, Jesse. You're trying to tell me that I can either live a story about comfort and safety, a Volvo kind of life, and end up like boring old Ted. Again, nothing against Volvos. I love Swedish people in general. Don't, (laughs) Don't read anything into that. Or I can live this story in pursuit of adventure and purpose and end up like our heroine, Annie. Ah, but that's not what I'm saying. It's part of the twist of this morning because the truth is whether our story, whether your story or my story centers around the pursuit of comfort and safety or the pursuit of adventure and purpose, we can still miss the point of the story altogether. Let me explain what I mean. Take a look with me back at that verse that Colin just read. By the way, thanks for dressing up, Colin. Uh, let's read the Colin. <laughs> totally kidding, man. The fact that I'm wearing a shirt right now really hurts. So <laughs> I'm with you. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, thank you, Julie, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, I know the book of Revelation can be confusing. Especially, especially after all that left behind mumbo jumbo of the 90s. I'm not saying they're not fun books to read. I'm just saying there's just no biblical truth in them. That's all I'm saying. So, Gordon Fee, a biblical scholar, what? That just rocked my worldview. Uh, Gordon Fee <laughs> rightly points out that we can approach the book of Revelation in two ways, both of which miss the point. One, we can go looking for predictions about the future, trying to make sense of the signs that we read in the headlines. What does this mean? What does that mean? Is that the beast? Is she the beast? She might be the beast. I don't know. Who's the beast? What if it wasn't about that at all? Or we can avoid the book of Re- Revelation altogether because it just seems too weird. It's too hard to access. We're like, ah, that kind of freaks me out. I think I'm just going to stay away from that. But there's a reason, there's a reason that this book is the last book in the Bible. It's kind of like the exclamation point of this whole love story that God has been telling through his, his people Both of those approaches can miss the point of the book of Revelation. The point really is this. The point is it's it's hope for those who suffer, and it's a promise for those who wait. It's hope for those who suffer and a promise for those who wait. See, it was written to a specific people at a specific time. In fact, the first 20 chapters of Revelation are actually not about us at all. It's already happened, so don't get caught up in too much of that stuff. It's to a specific people at a specific time, which has hope and meaning for us. Don't get me wrong. But these particular people were being hunted down and executed for their faith. They were being scattered and isolated and tormented. They knew the very definition of suffering. And John, who records this revelation and shares this revelation with us, knows this and knows that what they need is hope, hope that there will be rescue, that rescue is coming. And a promise that this stuff has meaning. This suffering has meaning. There is purpose to this. God sees us. He sees us suffering. He will not let it go on forever. Now, I know that most of us living in 21st century America are not often hunted down and executed for our faith, right? We can't necessarily relate to that experience. Maybe some of you can whose stories begin in other parts of the world. So I'm not comparing our sufferings with those of the early church, but we do have our own forms of suffering. I'm not just talking about slow internet connections, though those are awful, when you're trying to get that cat video to load and it just won't load. I'm not talking about lukewarm lattes. I'm talking about things like real confusion about who we are and what we should do with our lives. Kind of that existential angst that we kind of sometimes poke fun of, but the reality is it. Drives us crazy. It's a heavy weight that many of us carry. Who are we? What were we meant to do with our lives? Who were we meant to do life with? That stuff is important. Real pain in our families because we've all lost this sense of what a family is for. Or how we do life together. Real loneliness because we're all so busy that we can't connect deeply to one another. Real fear about the future. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to the people I care about? We need hope, just like our first century brothers and sisters needed hope. And we need a promise that all this stuff that we deal with day in and day out makes sense somehow. We need that. In fact, many of us today find ourselves feeling pretty desperate. Desperate for some answers. Desperate for some hope. Desperate to feel like this stuff makes sense somehow, that God is at work somehow. We need, to more, we need to know that there's more to the story than just our feeble attempts to kind of make ourselves a bit more comfortable, a bit more safe, or to try to live our little tiny adventures. We need more than that. So God gives us a plot twist to our story. And he says this, you are not the main character in your story. You are not the main character in your story. It's not about you. It's about me. It's not about comfort and safety, it's about me. It's not even about adventure, it's about me. It's not even about purpose. Purpose sounds pretty biblical, but it's not about that. It's about me. Our story was always meant to be about God. And when it's not, it sends our lives into all kinds of chaos. Some that looks very life and death. And much of it is just is very below the surface, yet just as corrosive. But if we got a hold of what Jesus is trying to tell us here, it would change everything. Change everything about our current circumstances and how we see them, how we relate to them, how we experience them. It would change everything about how we see the future. So I want to kind of look at three particular contrasts between us being the main character and God being the main character and kind of tease out some of this stuff. First, if we are the main character, we will spend our lives trying to prove ourselves. If it's going to be, it's up to me right that's kind of our motto so we ask ourselves question am i good looking enough am i wealthy enough am i powerful enough am i lovable enough am i qualified enough am i enough because i got to prove myself and we fight for position we fight for authority we fight for power we fight for notoriety because it's about us it's about us so we have to prove ourselves that we're worthy of being the main character we got to carry that weight but if god is the main character he will spend our lives revealing himself through us, redeeming the world through us, fulfilling his purposes through us. For whatever crazy reason, Jesus decided to use you and me to reveal himself and his love. In fact, like we're, like the plan, you, even you, Gary Brooks, he's using all of this. I was thinking they would laugh more at that, but (laughs) apparently they know you. Um, God wants to use these things. He wants to show us how to apply our gifts and our talents, our unique abilities. He will use whatever happens. Does he cause everything to happen? No. Can he use everything that happens? Yes, and he does, and he will. And he will connect us to others that we need in partnership for these things where he is the main character of our story. Another If we are the main character of our story, then our story will always feel too small. We'll always feel trapped. We're always going to feel stuck somehow. This job, uh, this relationship, uh, this kind of, uh, this path I'm on, uh, everything feels too small, too stuck. We keep looking for satisfaction. We keep missing it, so we keep looking, and we keep missing it, and we keep looking. That next thrill, that next job, that next relationship, that next church. We're consumers. We'll always feel stuck and trapped on our own, isolated, without any clear perspective of where should we go? Where do we turn? That's what happens when we're the main character. I know this experience well of feeling lost and feeling stuck. But if God is the main character, then our lives will be filled with meaning and purpose. Like with the real stuff, with the stuff that we're always after, reading that next book and trying the next thing. And, you know, if we could just get our abs looking a bit more like this, then it's all going to make sense somehow. God is the one who can fill our lives with meaning and purpose. In fact, there's this incredible little contrasting story in Genesis 11 and Genesis 12. Genesis 11 is that story of the Tower of Babel where um, everybody kind of gets together and goes, let's build this great big tower. It's gonna be awesome. We'll use this cool ne- new technology of how we bake bricks and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna build this thing and we're gonna be like gods. It's gonna be awesome, let's get together and do it. As so they start to do it and then God sees what they're doing and, and realizes if they do this, they're, just, they're gonna miss everything altogether. And so he, he kind of comes in and he confuses their language, blah, 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 all that sort of thing. That's the Tower of Babel story, Genesis, Genesis 11. The people gather together. They say, let's make a name for ourselves. That's the catalyst for building this tower that collapses. Genesis 12, we see the call of Abram. Where God comes to him and he says, follow me and I will make your name great. Follow me and I'll make your name great. And where does he call him to follow him to? Well, I'll tell you when we get there. But just follow me. Just leave everything and and follow me. All that stuff that you depend on and follow me. Genesis 11 is usually what we live by. I've got to struggle. I've got to strive. I've got to use the best of my wits and my technology to make a name for myself. And we know that experience of it all coming apart. Even if it's not coming apart on the outside, it's coming apart on the inside. Genesis 12 is God coming and saying, just follow me and I'll take care of your name. Just follow me and I'll take care of your name. If God is at the center, then our lives will be filled with meaning and purpose. We won't have to fight for it. It will just be ours. Finally, if we are the main character, we're going to treat everybody else like supporting characters. Right? I want to know how you can make my story better. I want to know what you can do for me. And I want, to, uh, I want to know how you're going to kind of help this plot move along in some interesting ways, right? How can I get you to do what I want you to do? That's maybe not a conscious question, but I'm kind of operating from that place because I tend to think of people like supporting characters because I'm the main character in my story. I'm the hero. I'm Frodo. Come on. I just called myself a hobbit. That's weird. Um, <laughs> the point is this. If God is the main character... He gives us the power to actually love our neighbors as ourselves. To actually do what he has said is the greatest commandment of all, to love each other as he loved us. If we're at the center, everybody else is just some people we have to manage and kind of control, and that's how our relationships will come out, and that's how they do come out. If God is at the center, we are free to seek others best because we're not worried about getting trampled down. We're free to take the initiative because we're not worried about what they're thinking of us. We're free to hurt what those are hurting because we're not going to be consumed by their pain. We're free to celebrate with those who celebrate because we're free to not have to have what they have if God is the main character. The point is all this. If we are the main character of our story, we'll aim, we'll aim for comfort. We'll aim for safety. We'll aim for that adventure, that purpose. We're going to chase those things like we do, like we are, and we're going to miss all of them. But here, in another twist, if God is the main character, we get all four of those things. Comfort and safety, adventure and purpose, if God is the main character. Comfort. Not comfortable living, obviously, but real comfort. The kind of comfort the Bible describes. Hope-filled comfort. Crying and groaning alongside. Holding kind of comfort. I know it hurts. I'm with you kind of comfort. We get safety. Not safety like free from parking tickets. Safety like there's no safer life than the one with Jesus in the center. Not free from danger. Safe as in free from the need to worry. What would that be like to not have to worry? I have no idea. I had an ulcer at 16 because I worried so much. So I have no idea. But wouldn't it be cool? Safety as in freedom from fear. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of what others think of me. I don't have to be afraid of how the future is going to work out because God is the main character. He's at work. It's about him. And I'm certainly free. I'm safe from anything that would try to separate me from his love. Anything. That's true for you as well. You are safe from anything ever cutting you off from his love, even the stuff that you do. And you want to talk about adventure. God has invited us into his rescue mission. It's funny because we're we're both hostages, but we're also rescuers. He wants to get get us behind the wheel of that bus, right? And jump over the overpass and be part of what he's doing to rescue humanity, even as he rescues us. No, he doesn't want you to end up with Keanu Reeves. (laughs) But he wants you caught up in this great adventure that he is telling and purpose. There's no greater purpose than the one that Jesus was all about, is all about, will be all about, and that's love. Love for our family and friends and coworkers, for our neighbors, for the people standing on the street corner with cardboard signs. Love for our enemies. We, we, we can't even get a hold of what that means. But it's so radical. It's so radical. And it's so big that it's actually the purpose that we're after, learning how to love each other as Jesus loves us. The point of your story, the point of my story is not whether we pursue comfort and safety on one hand, or adventure and purpose on the other. Where we get the Volvo or the runaway bus is not the point. The point is God. The point is God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. Jesus is the one for whom and by whom all things were created. He's the Almighty. Chokes me up. He's the Almighty powerful one the king of kings the lord of lords and any story that does not have him at the center is not worth listening to <clears throat> or talking about or even living and i want a big story i think you want a big story i do i think that's what keeps us moving in the mornings what keeps us going to stuff that we don't necessarily like to do keeps us moving we want to we want to know that life matters we want to know that there's something more And God invites us into something far greater than we could ever even want for ourselves. He is the story. That's the easy part. The hard part is this. How do we keep Jesus the main character in the story? Of course that's the hard part. Because our default will always be to become the hero, become the heroine. But that's not how it's supposed to work. So how do we keep them at the center? All kinds of ways our church, churches are built with programs and systems for helping this be true, and we've got all kinds of stuff, so I'm not going to address that. I just want to give us one question to kind of get us thinking about it. And the question is this. How would Jesus live my story? How would Jesus live my story? You probably remember that campaign, WWJD. What would Jesus do? I had the bracelet. I, had, I think I had a T-shirt. I actually have a tattoo on my ankle. I don't have a tattoo. But kind of what would Jesus do? That was a real, it was not a bad question. It just was an incomplete question. What would Jesus do? Well, I guess he'd build furniture for like 30 years and then like hang out with a bunch of weirdos for three years and then get killed and then rise from the dead. That's what Jesus would do. Good luck with that. The question is, how would Jesus live my story? In other words, in my current circumstances, in my current relationships, with my current gifts, my current opportunities, what would Jesus do with that stuff? See, for him to become central, he's got to have access to our waking up and our getting ready for the day and our eating our meals and going to work and, and all of our relationships. He's got to have access to our hopes and our dreams and our pursuits. We make him the main character of our lives when we bring him in all, into all the details of our lives. It's very ordinary stuff. It's not rocket science, which is always offensive to rocket scientists. But nevertheless, it's not rocket scientists. It's very simple stuff. We learn to bring God into the details. We make him the main character as we bring him into the details. <clears throat> For example, we pray before meals. Many of us do. Many of us pray superstitiously before meals. Right? Like if you, if you didn't pray, you might choke on something. Right? <laughs> now, it's important to note here that like a French fry or like chips and salsa, any appetizer really is, is fair game before <laughs> prayer. So just want you to be released from that. That's totally biblical, if that's hanging you up right now. Many of us pray before meals. What is he talking about? I have no idea. (laughs) But do you ever think to pray during meal preparation? I I don't, because I hate cooking. My wife hates cooking. I don't know how we ever eat, to be honest. (laughs) But do you ever think about praying during the meal prep? Do you ever think about praying while brushing your teeth? Praying on that drive to work? Like, God wants to be in all the details. It's how we make him the center. And when he is the center, we find ourselves caught up in a story of such size and adventure, such meaning and purpose, that even our very real, right now pain takes on meaning. Even in our very real, right now pain, we can find comfort and hope because we are safe, because it's about God. It's not about us. The key ingredient to every great story is that it has God as its main character. And that's hard to do. So we come again just as normal, ordinary, broken people. I don't know about you. I had a hard time getting to church this morning. I always feel like the least Christian person on the planet getting ready for church on Sunday mornings. Maybe you can relate, right? It's hard to get your stuff together, to get your family out of the door, all that kind of thing. We come with all of our stuff, all of our fears, all of our worries. We come, all the bits of our story. And we come to remember that God is the main character. And so there is hope. And so there is promise that all of this stuff has meaning, has value, is worth it. Let's come again and invite him to be the center. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the story that you are telling, that you have been telling since the beginning, and you will complete. God, thank you that you are the beginning of the story, you are the right now story, and you are the end of the story. And because of that, our stories have meaning. They have purpose. God, you know the things that we want. You know the things that are heavy on our hearts and our minds. And I ask that you would meet us in these things and we would learn to give them to you, to share them with you. Because, God, you've given us imaginations and gifts and opportunities and unique lives for a reason, that we could be part of your great story. God, show us how to do that. Give us the people around us to do that with. And God, do that so that you may be the one. But one day, everybody realizes it's the main character and says, yes, Jesus, it's you. Yes. So we say yes together as best we can. In Jesus' name, amen.